This is Derek Hughes. And Ben Rabb. And you're and watching you're... the TV <laughs> podcast. Really? Is it that, that hard? I thought you were going to go. See, right. this is how part. This is how the partner partnerships. Goes. Yes, like this, we're we're like a Swiss watch. <laughs> My name is Gray Jones, and I want to welcome you to the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine, episode one hundred for June second, two thousand and twenty. Well, today for episode one hundred, I'm excited to bring you a writing team. Derek Hughes and Benjamin Rabb, currently co-executive producing on Legacies on the CW, who have written and produced on Arrow, Scream the Series, The Flash, Beauty and the Beast, and Warehouse 13. Um, in particular, they have some great things to say about NBC writers on the verge, which really got them their start um, on being on Warehouse 13 with Jack Kenny and how it was such a supportive room. And also the showrunner training program, which they are currently a part of. They're almost finished. Uh, got interrupted because of the virus. Uh, but you're going to love the interview. It's a very long interview, and they have lots of great tips on being a TV writer in this industry. This episode is sponsored by Pilar Alessandra of OnThePage.tv. Be sure to check out all the resources and classes on her site. And she also offers one-on-one -on -one coaching via Zoom. TV Writer Podcast viewers can get 10% off on any of her services. Just reach out to Pilar directly and tell her I sent you. If you want to help me to continue to bring these weekly episodes to you, please consider becoming a patron or sponsor for as little as 25 cents per episode. And there are reward levels for different amounts. Visit tvwriterpodcast.com slash support for details. But now on to my interview with Derek Hughes and Benjamin Rabb. Enjoy. Well, this is Gray, and I'm here with writing team Derek Hughes and Benjamin Rabb, currently co-executive co producing, or about to co-executive produce, on Legacies on the CW, and who have written and produced some of my favorite series, Arrow, Screen the Series, Flash, Beauty, Beauty and the Beast, and Warehouse 13. How are you guys doing? Good, thank you. Great, thanks. And How I, about yourself? I, I appreciate <laughs> you guys being here despite the quarantine. We're actually recording this in April for June 2nd release. So uh, just a caveat on anything that's said here, um, what we say may not actually come to pass. Um, but uh, let's let's roll. So um, so you guys became a writing team when and why? <laughs> About 19 years ago. Um, yeah. it, it, it happened in a comic book shop, believe it or not. Seriously? Um, yeah. Yep, seriously, in a comic book shop, we call it our geek cute. Um, we, uh, I was a, a comic book writer professionally at the time, uh, former editor at Marvel. I'd moved out to, from New York to California uh, in 1999 at the end of the year, and I'd uh, been living out here a couple of years and, you know, getting my books every Wednesday, like, like one does, uh, at the store, and just kind of keeping a low profile. Um, you know, usually when pros went to the comic book stores if fans knew who they were they'd you know they'd engage and they'd have opinions and you know i, I had a lot of critics of my work at the time so mm -hmm. i like to keep a low profile uh and um and i hear this you know one fanboy at the register complaining about a book being late and he's you know the, the book was was planetary which you know everyone knows there was that one run where it was like six months late and and you know no one knew when it was going to come out and I think it had been solicited and it just hadn't come out or whatever. And he's complaining like, you know, uh, book, they said it was coming out today and whatever. 
And, and you know, the store owner was like, I, I don't know, man. And I'm like, and he's like, ah, oh, these lazy artists never turned in their work playing video games all the time. And I'm listening to this and I'm going, I don't know if I should say something. And I'm like, well, hey, man, like, I know for a fact that the reason why your book's late is not because this artist is, you know, lazy and playing video games. It's because he hasn't received a script in six months. And he's like, well, how do you know? I'm like, because the guy you're insulting was the groomsman at my wedding. <laughs> so <laughs> that fanboy was Derek A. Hughes. Yeah. <laughs> I will cool. say this uh, to my defense. I didn't know who he was. Yeah. And so I was not one of his I was not one of his critics. <laughs> yeah. So so then you got started talking and and what made you decide to write together? Well, I was uh m- my journey is a bit different from Ben's uh a former military brat um and then I was in the military myself, but before that, I was also a track and field athlete, and that was my first passion and love, and I wanted to run the Olympics and really focused on that until injury set back, <clears throat> and uh, after I got out of college and um, I started working in the industry, at first at various assistant jobs, and then I landed a job as a writer's assistant on a show called Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda, mm-hmm. which sci-fi series back in the early 2000s starring Kevin Sorbo created by Robert Wolf or I should say developed by Robert Wolf because it was Gene Roddenberry's idea but uh, Robert Wolf a dear friend of ours now uh, at the time my boss um, hired me to be at a writer's assistant on that job and I mean and that's where I really started my eyes were open to the possibility of pursuing a television writing career um and uh, so every Wednesday, go down to the comic book store, which is right down the street in Studio City, to go pick up my books. And yeah, Planetary being one of my favorite was not there. And mm-hmm. I started being the angry fanboy. And when, <laughs> so, when Ben finally corrected me, I was like, and you are. And he goes, I'm Ben Rab. And I always tell people, it's like, you know, he didn't do it in a way like you should know who I'm in. He was just introducing himself. But mm-hmm. I was like, that name sounds so familiar. And the comic book store owner goes, oh, that's, you know, this Ben, he wrote Excalibur, X-Men, blah, blah, blah. And I looked at him and I said, man, I always thought you were just older. I said, an <laughs> old Because growing up, like, in in the 80s, you know, there was a certain sort of type of guy that I always yeah. saw as the comic yeah. book writer. And Ben looking like a rock star looked like none of these guys. And I was like, wait, you can be a comic book writer? And... Uh, as you know, luck would have it, he had just moved out here and he, he was looking to make a transition from comics into television and film. So when he found out what I did, I'm going to just pick my brain over lunch. And we discovered mm-hmm. we had so many things in common right down to our birthdays being three days apart. We slowly started collaborating on ideas, first in the feature world, thinking that we're going to write a couple of features and stuff. But then uh, Robert encouraged us saying, hey, you guys come up with some ideas, come in and pitch. And you might be able to get a freelance episode if I like one of them. So we did that with the all the confidence of believing that we were going to get a freelance episode. And then the day we went in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Hollywood stepped in and and fired Robert from the show. You know, wow. it was like uh, the, the company so was, yeah, you know, it was like that yeah. first sort of re- yeah. that first taste of harsh reality in Hollywood, right? It, like yeah. so close. Yeah. Uh, and then so Robert, you know, the show, we were kind of like, well, damn, what are we going to do now? Well, if we're really going to pursue this, then we need to do all the right things, which is write scripts and get representation. So we did. And the first thing we wrote was, you know, they say, write what you know. So we, our first script was we wrote a Smallville 
Mm. And with Vanessa, it was a Smallville, it was a sample uh, between seasons two and three, or one and two, I believe. One and two. And, yeah, it was between seasons one and, and two. Yeah, it just come out. We wrote, we wrote, we wrote a Smallville sample, and it got us our first manager. Uh, and then uh, shortly after that, we wrote an alias, and that got us our first agent. And we were off to the races, mm-hmm. where we were just trying to break into television. It took us eight years to break into television. Wow! Uh, yeah, we submitted every, every summer. We would submit to the to the writing programs and get rejected. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd keep writing specs. We did a Nip Tuck. We did an Alias. We did. Uh, we did uh, original CSI. Like, yeah, and then, and then eventually, and then we wrote a, uh, a Rescue Me, and that was the one that really kind of opened a lot of doors for us. Yeah, yeah, and and so um, had you ever considered writing? individually or or did it just happen that you guys were writing together we were already writing individually Mm -hmm. um at that point in time and um and ben was like definitely he wrote like a couple of x-men scripts i mean you know he was just like he was uh, he was already a professional writer much more than i was i was just more i was more entrenched in the in the you know in the entertainment industry Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, that, that, those two, those two bridges hadn't yet really quite connected the way they do now Hmm. with the, you know, books and television and film. Uh, and so when Ben was looking at make that, we just sort of like, well, we, we had so many likes in common that it was just natural to sort of like, Hey, well, let's just start, you know, working on ideas together and not really sort of forming a partnership right away. It was. It wasn't until when we decided to, you know, to embark on like, okay, well, since we wrote this, we, I mean, you know, we came up with a lot of cool ideas, and we wrote this cool script, and people seem to be interested in us. Let's, you know, let's make this a bit more official. Like once we actually got representation and we start representing ourselves as a team and understanding, you know, how to brand ourselves, mm-hmm. that was really sort of like, okay, we're, we're, you know, we're on this journey. And then, uh, you know, a couple of good friends of ours that were writing teams like, uh, Ashley, uh, Miller and Zach Stentz, hmm. uh, you know, Miller and Stentz, they, they really sort of were like sort of a, a template in that way because these guys were television writers and then they were feature writers and, you know, they were very successful in that way. Um, and, you know, seeing like, oh, how, you know, it could be done. And they were just like, all right, let's let's go ahead and do this. And it was just by our powers combined. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, we Voltroned right. up <laughs> in that way. Yeah. Uh, then, but then we ahead. did it. We did, you know, we, we did our work not because it took so long to get into film and television. We did yeah. other things. We did, you know, we yeah. created our comic book, Living in Infamy, which was uh, a four-issue miniseries that we published with a friend of ours um, that was, you know, basically about a witness protection town for a foreign supervillains. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I'd been writing Green Lantern for DC Comics, and then I got fired off of that. And so it was like, well, what's next? And I wanted to still, you know, comics was always a first love, obviously. But I wasn't I wasn't able to sort of find work in that space as much as I used to be able to. And because, you know, people had come into different management positions and weren't fans of my work. So it's like, well, I got I to gotta do it elsewhere, but I still want to do that genre. And I had this idea for like at 3 o'clock in the morning, just the name Living in Infamy popped into my head. And then I was like, well, what is that? And, you know, by the end of the day, you know, I had the idea, which was it's a witness protection town for a form supervillains, you know, and it's and it's it's a suburban family drama with a with a twist. And uh-huh. I told Derek, told Derek the next day and he told Ashley Miller, who told uh, our publisher, Robert Burnett, who then put the money up for us to self-publish it, which we did back in 2005 and 2006. Um, 
which was fantastic because it was us working together for the mm. first time as as a team. Really, like I mean, you know, writing specs is one thing, but when you're actually creating IP or content, it's it's a different ball game. And now we had something that was ours, and that yeah. you know, kind of set the tone for here's who we are as creators. You know, if if anything really established our our brand, it was that comic book, and yeah. that then got us work. Um, because Derek, his mutant ability is to know everybody and meet everybody and, and be their friend, which, you know, is great because I'm, I'm the, you know, the, the misanthropic hermit back home. Uh, well, we're now all hermits home. now, thanks to the quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've been ready for this for years. Um, but uh, he, you know, <clears throat> made a lot of friends, worked with a lot of different people, and because of his being out there, we were able to then get work in the new media space. You know, we worked on or transmedia, I believe it was called at the time. We worked on a web series called Afterworld, which was a, a 120 uh, episode. Um, oh, no, it was 130, wasn't it? Some insane number of episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, you know, five days a week, three to four minute increments rolled out online. You know, this is around 2007. It was created by Brent Friedman, Stan Rogo and Jeff Sigansky. And uh and so that was like became our first writer's room experience hmm. or my first writer's room experience, I should say. But again, it was all these little incremental steps that we took as as a writing team to sort of establish who we are and what we do that set us apart from other people. So that by the time we got to 2008, when, you know, I, at this point, I got two kids. You know, I, I was supposed to be a five year plan. It turned into an eight year plan. My wife was very patient about that. And. You know, and I said to Derek, I'm like, look, man, we keep we keep submitting to these writing programs and we keep getting rejected. I don't know how much longer I can go on. Mm. And that was the year that we actually got accepted into NBC's Writers on the Verge. And that's where our career, you know, as as a writing team mm. kind of took off in television. Yeah. Very cool. That that was po just after the writer's strike, too. Um, yes. And what was, what was that uh, that Writers on the Verge like? Like, what, what was your experience going through that program? That was great. I mean, uh, our teachers were Erica Kinnear, and, uh, who is now with the Berlanti Company, um, and then Jen Grisanti, uh, who were just fantastic. And they really, you know, they really cared about nurturing, like, a next generation of talent, like, finding people who, you know, have, they're, they've got the ability, they just don't have the access, or they just don't have the resource. And so they were, part of what the program did was, in addition to, I mean, back then it was you'd write a spec and then an original sample, um, I think now it's just originals. I think it's become more of a, a farm team for, for pilots, mm -hmm. um, for the, for the studios, but, um, they would pair you up with agents if you didn't have representation, um, or managers and, you know, they just, they, they, they give you a network executive to sort of be a mentor. They gave you a creative executive to be a mentor. Um, it was just really cool. It was a great program. And I definitely recommend people, uh, you know, submit to it if if they're interested and they want to break in and they feel like I yeah, just well, need that extra. Yeah. At that point in time, it was the the program was basically sort of like uh, Erica Kinnear had restarted it. It 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 yeah. it, it, yeah. it was like one version of it, and then this was like the 2.0 version. And uh, we were the so we were the second class um, in that new version of that, and. Out of 600 people that submitted for the program, they only select eight writers. Yeah. Since then, it's like last year, I believe it was like over 1,800 writers that submitted. Yeah. And in a large part, again, it's like as they explained it, uh, 
the people that you're you're you know that are submitting they're all your peers these are all the people that are assistants writers assistants agents assistants you know people that have production you know so forth and so on that, that you're really applying to, you know against um and then but like the disney fellowship that's global like people apply from all around the world so there's hundreds of thousands so that year when we applied we applied to like three of the uh, four of the all four programs that were existing at that time and we actually got into three out of the four really and and we and we chose yeah we chose the uh the writers on the verge just because we had the, the reputation and our relationship with erica and we were like okay you know what we feel confident enough that this could actually turn into something and like you said five we weeks in first mm-hmm. yeah well no, i was just saying it was also well. It was also Chris too. Yeah, but they were they were a little slow on the take, and and but it all happened within like a couple of days apart from yeah. one another when yeah. we started getting word, wow. and uh, and and it was just. But that was just the strongest one in our opinion. Hmm. <laughs> and then then and then then I think it was about a month later when we got the rejection letter from Disney. We're like, yeah, we don't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, how, uh, at least how, that was consistent. How many years yeah. had you applied before you got uh, accepted? I think like it was I said, I mean, like almost NBC, every year. Yeah, but but every NBC yeah. was that was the first and only time we submitted to that. We didn't even know it existed until yeah, yeah. Like we met with Erica in May, and she's like, "I really think you should submit." And then three months later, we did. Um, the with, other ones, uh, I think, it was like a couple, couple of at least three, three years or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, they they come years, around, yeah. like, "All right, let's let's go ahead and give it a yeah. shot." Stuff. Yeah, and we, but, and we went out for staffing meetings, and it just yeah. it just never happened. You know. Yeah. Um, we're up for small Yeah. And then uh, with this program, well, five weeks into it, it was a 10 week program. We got staffed on Warehouse 13. So that was that was our first job. That was, you know, 12 years ago. Wow. Wow. And in, and I, I read a reference somewhere that, uh, that Jack said something on your first day that really helped. Um, tell me about just, just starting in the room with, with Jack Kenny and, and what that was like. That was fantastic. I mean, his, his thing was, I don't, I don't care. I don't care about rank. I don't care who you are. I don't care if the janitor has a good idea. I want to hear it. And for us as staff writers coming in where you'd heard, oh, well, staff writers are just supposed to sit down and be quiet. Yeah. That was the complete opposite. Yeah. You heard you'd heard different things by how different showrunners run their rooms and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so Jeff put all that to eat, you know, put us all at ease at the very beginning. He said, like, I'm, you're here for ideas. I need ideas. And if you don't give me ideas, I'm going to find them somewhere else. So, you know, we took that to heart. And then we were working with a lot of great experienced writers that helped us, you know, that, that first year. And But it was just such an easy, fantastic room to be in. It was like we couldn't have asked for a better first staffing experience. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, than, than, I mean, television-wise. Uh, you know, we had already had a mini-room experience working with Brent Friedman, Stan, and over on, and on the Afterworld. So we got a taste of, like, what a room would be like, if, you know, basically right down to, like, what are we going to eat for lunch today? You know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, but being in a, t- in, in a television writing room, that was that was special. That was really that was really nice. Um, and, again, it was like, couldn't ask for a first-time better um, showrunner and we were able to stay all five seasons and really work and grow and and jack encouraged that you know right down to allowing us to go to set now where the, the studio wouldn't necessarily pay for us at first but you know jack but jack, but jack fought for that too it was like because yeah. we, yeah. we but we, we were so eager because we were like we'd love to go to set jack encouraged it like you guys want to go to set go to set yeah. I, you know, that was in toronto right yeah, yeah. 
and that's the thing. I mean, Jack, you know, he spent a lot of time there, but he he wanted to not have to do that all the time. He wanted to be able to to come home and trust that his his team could be there covering in mm. his absence. And yeah. so, you know, having him put all that kind of faith in in relative novices was you know it was really cool of him. And also, you know, it's like in, in his sort of like his 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 wonderful attitude did not stop just in the room. It was also on set and it was a reflection of that. You know, they where you say it, it starts at the top and with him, he set the tone. And so when you go up the set, it was, a, it was a fantastic set cat, you know, the cast, they were all great. It was just like, it was just really one. It was much more of a family type of setting and just everybody really wanting to work there. I can never, never forget how, I think it was like in the second season or something like that. There were a couple of uh, crew members that really, you know, they got, offers to go to other shows but they all decided to stay because they oh, said wow. like no this is the this is the show that everybody wants to be on hmm. yeah so you know that and that is a large credit to uh, jack where he just set the tone of of that entire show it's like if you have that type of boss and then people willing to you know to work because it was work it was long hours when we we're on set you're on you're still doing long hours mm-hmm. and there's long days and there's an and, and you know there are days when everybody's not at their best but at the end of the day people still came back yeah and so if you, and so you can if you can have that you were you know you're doing all the right things and by jack you know inviting us back every year we were you know we we wanted to continue to that we were doing the right things hmm. you know try to grow as writers be as you know and and eventually step into the roles of you know being producers and and just learning as much as you can but also contributing as much as you can because that's your job first and foremost you're there to generate stories well, and ideas that's really neat because yeah. i know most shows you got to be at least at the producer level before you're going on set um no actually i wouldn't i would i would say it depends again it all depends on who's running that show mm-hmm. and where the show is being shot and what the what a show's willing to do you know as far as like they want to send writers up you know because like on the berlanti shows they'd send staff writers up they'll send you know they'll like all on flash they were sending you know every writer would go up for their really? their episode oh yeah hmm. uh Especially now, more so now than 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 before. But on Arrow, same way, they'll send you up. Even if it's only for a couple of days, you're still up there for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. On Legacies, uh, Brett and Julie, you know, they they send the writers, and they send the writers. The writers go. They're there for the full freight. They're there like prep all through. You know, prep then right into production and until the end of production, and they're back. You wow. know, and then so yeah. Yes, yeah, so I've heard a lot of shows that 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 only the showrunner goes. It, again, it varies. It depends on who yeah. you're working for and what their philosophy is. I mean, I know one of the things you wanted to talk about, not to jump ahead, was the showrunner training program, and and yeah. which we're involved with uh, this year. And uh, in talking all the different showrunners, you kind of get a sense of what their philosophies are when it comes to that. There's some Mm -hmm. who believe that my writer's place is in the room because that's where I need them the most and I'll deal with the other stuff. There's some who believe I I need to have a balance in my life because I can't be 24 seven in this. I need to exist beyond the show, you know, for my mental well being. So I'm going to let my writers be empowered and have them be my voice on set. It's an extension. It all depends on who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, showrunner could be like, "You shall not pass." <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I'm going to be the only one in control of everything. Yeah. But that way is also a burnout that you know that they can experience, and and also it depends on the length of the shows. I think 
Because mm-hmm. you got you know you got shows that run you know they do 20, 20, 22 episodes. No showrunner wants to be involved like going to set every single day, especially if it's out of the state, right? If it's mm-hmm. like one, it's one thing that if you're like here where like uh, our buddy um, Joe Anderson, who's co showrunner for Lucifer, mm-hmm. that that show shoots right here on the Warner Brothers on the Warner Brothers lot. And so the writer's office is right there. And so they go from the writer's office to walk, you know, about 30 feet away and they're right on the set. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, so there's a kind of a bit of a luxury of like, oh, I'm going to go to set and check things out and then I'll go back into the room. Yeah. You can do that. Whereas Legacy is shot in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So that's a, you know, that's all the way. It's, what, it's like a four and a half hour, five hour flight. Yeah. You just. And a time difference that like when we're on we're here on Warehouse 13, the, the three hour time difference kind of like, you know, you had to adjust to that mm-hmm. because they were stuff was already being, you know, shot by the time you get into the office. Things are going wrong. You know, mm-hmm. so it's a lot of uh, the conversations uh, or if you're if you're, you know, if you're there in Toronto and then you need to talk to the studio again, it's a three hour time difference. Mm-hmm. Well, if they're saying like, "Well, we got a four o'clock notes call," you know, it's already seven o'clock at night in Toronto. Your last one is like, "Do I really have to sit around this 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 phone call seven o'clock at night when we're especially if you're on a day when like it's shot during the day and your day's already wrapped?" Mm-hmm. And it's like, "Well, now we got to get back to the spot in time for a notes call." You know that that sort of thing. <laughs> you know, it's like those 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 adjustments. And then you have a friends that you know have friends that shoot shows in Prague. Good lord. Wow. Right. <laughs> you know, you know, half halfway around the world. So, yeah. but these are all fun problems to have, and if you're if you're very fortunate to be in these you know situations, then you, you then I think you know the thing like as Ben was saying in the show run train program, there's no one way to run a show. You just got to run the show. Hmm. <laughs> well, I, that's, I I I know we'll talk more about the show runner, show runner training later, but um, but knowing that, do you? Do you try to go for, like, what, say you 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 have three different showrunner meetings you could go to. Do you pick yeah. the ones that you've heard? Oh, this showrunner leads this way, or are you just going for any job that's that's up? It depends on where you are. Like, yeah. if you're if you're yeah. desperate, you're like, oh, whatever. <laughs> I just need a job. I haven't worked in three but seasons. But even even a, I was you, like, you always want to the showrunner and what yeah. their, what their philosophy is. You want to know going in. Yeah, I think in the in the category of life's too short, there have been situations yeah. Ben are like Ben and I are like, ah, even though we might be hurting, it's like we're not going, we're not even going. To, we'll tell our reps like, nah, don't even bother. Mm-hmm. That had, we have yeah. no interest in that for you know that especially with that person. No, that's right. not going. Like, oh, this is, this, is, this is the coolest concept, and we really want to be a part of it. But who's in charge? Oh. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I think we also have the luxury of, you know, it's 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 much harder to do when you're first starting out. Right. Because you just want to you want to get in that room. You want to be a part of the show. And also it should be hopefully in a case of a situation where you get on there as, as Ben and I used to joke all the time. It's like that's above our pay grade. Like when stuff would go down that just was not like. Ooh, we're glad we're not in those conversations. That's above our is above our pay grade, right? Mm-hmm. But now we are actually in those conversations, and so we gotta. You have to figure out. Oh, look at the puppy! Look at that puppy! Sorry, <laughs> distraction. Um, He's a you know, it, rating for the podcast just went up, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but but the, and, you know, to 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 keep it short, I'll, I'll just say 
those those type of situations are vastly different where we were where we are now that we have that sort of you know ability to say like okay we can we can be a little bit smarter and 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 have this sort of luxury of of picking where we want to work a bit more now than when you're first starting out first starting out you're like give me give me give me give me please please just hire me Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we're cute, lovable right. sheep, right? It's like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say that there aren't credits on our resume that we were just like, all right, we'll take it. Yeah. But we'll take it. But even then, it was more of a strategy of like, okay, we'll yeah. take yeah. it and use it. Who we're getting involved with. Yeah. Get, yeah. yeah, people that we're working with. And then also on top of that, that allows us to do uh, the next thing. Right. Yeah. This town is sort of operates off of the, okay, what's next? What you got going next? Right. And you're always like looking at it as stepping stones. So mm-hmm. you get that first staffing yeah. job. You're like, okay, I'm on this show. How much experience can I learn? Like, what is it that I can take away from it? What shouldn't I take away from it? And <laughs> that was the other thing that yeah, we that's, always That's said. the bigger lesson. Yeah, yeah. That's the bigger lesson of like how not to run a show. Right. Yeah. And then, or how not to, you know, to conduct yourself in a room and, and on set and all that type of stuff. Uh, but then you, you just continue to climb. So you get to that point where you're like, okay, now we're at a place of like now that we've, you know, we've had the, the fortune of being in part of the showrunner training program. Now we have a little bit more of a, a, uh, a recognition of like, oh, okay, these guys are ready or should be more ready and more prepared because they've been vetted by people that said these people are ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to you know run run their own show and so we're just at that we're right there teetering on the edge of you know being able to to demonstrate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very cool and and it's it's really cool that your first first time out of the gate you were on a show that went five seasons in a supportive staff like that. I yeah. I hear a lot of writers who um, just getting on staff isn't necessarily the golden ticket because it, it you know it, maybe they're first experience wasn't great maybe it got canceled halfway through and yep. sometimes there are three four five different shows before they finally hit that one where they can be there in a groove for a little while and and get their bearings yeah yeah that is that is, especially yeah, yeah. especially nowadays because mm-hmm. now all the shows that have much more shorter orders much more unpredictable sort of orders you know I have friends that work on shows they work in a room and the room is done before a single frame of of you know the the episode is is shot, mm-hmm. and and they're yeah, moving yeah. on to it, and they're moving on to another show. So they can like within a year's time, they could be on three different shows. Wow, you know, especially yeah, in like in, in the in the streaming world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that that happened to us even in the you know regular TV slash basic cable world. Like we, you know, we got fired after season three of Flash, along with yeah. you know we were the the fourteenth fifteenth writer to be fired on three seasons of that show. But, wow. then, but then we went on, we, were, we worked on Scream, which was a, only a 20-week room for us. Um, and then you know, the showrunner, Brett Matthews, produced the season, the six-episode season by himself down in Atlanta uh, because we were all done, and we'd moved on to another show for stars called Black Samurai, which only ended up being a room. It never, the show never went forward. Mm. And that was before, and that was, we did that, it was supposed to be a 10-week thing, ended up being a 20-week thing, which then became a 30-week thing and by week 29, we're like, this. I don't think this is ever going. Yeah. And fortunately, you know, Beth Schwartz reached out to us, sure. and, uh, out to us and said, do you want to come over to Arrow? And we're like, yeah, sure. So, did your, um, sig- uh, did yeah. your signal breaking up? Or is because you yeah. seem clear, yeah. but you don't seem clear. You're... I don't know who you're pointing Skype, at. Skype kind of goes in and out a bit like that. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, well, t- tell me a little bit about those, because um, because I I hear a lot about that. Uh, I was talking to a Supergirl writer who I think after the third season he got fired. Um, it seems like there's is that strictly a budget thing? Like is that um, no? It's creative I, that's, or that's yeah. That was a whole different can of worms. Um, I mean, without getting too deep into it it's it's there was a showrunner who just that's how that was his demo and and it was one of those things where he built a reputation being that guy and you know we'd worked with him in the past and didn't think it was going to be that way and it turned out to be that way um so it was an unfortunate situation but um you know it changed in the wake of of the me too movement Mm. so i think that's all we need to say about that yeah well, at, at least at least uh, you were still able to continue in that that family of shows without being hurt by that. Yes, because the re- again the reputation of the show kind of over overshadowed the the fact of what happened with us. Um, mm-hmm. It was sort of you know recognized like oh it's not normal for a show that's successful that's that's getting renewed that is getting an increased order each season to lose at least three or four writers at it every season, hmm. whether it's at the midpoint, you know, when the, when the, the 13 weeks are up in the contract before the back nine pickup or at the end of the season to then jettison people. It's just, it's, it wasn't common hmm. and it spoke to a different managerial philosophy hmm. that, you know, a lot of, we, you know, agencies were reticent to send their clients to because it just wasn't, you know, the person that was overseeing the shows wasn't quite doing it the way the shows needed it. I mean, the shows were successful, so you know, yeah. I guess people sort of you know, take that as well. Let's just let it go, and even they shouldn't have. Yeah. Anyway, well, I mean, those, are, those are some of the trials and tribulations that uh, I mean, it's important to know that uh, it's not so cut and dry. Like you just get your job and. Happily no. go for five years and that kind of thing. No, no, it's not. It's it's like it, you know the the way that he would put it is is if you were a you know first year NBA rookie, right? It's like you got you got one you know you got that shot, you got that sort of contract, and then you're there. But if you're riding that bench, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the entire, and you don't produce, it'll cut you loose, right? Mm-hmm. They'll be like, all right. Trade you will you know will trade you or you just you your career washes out completely, mm-hmm. and there is that sort of fear of and I think though because the fact that we're it's different now where the pros and cons of it is there's so much more content now or there was I should say mm-hmm. uh, where it was like even if you just watched you know if you if if one show wa- you know got canceled or ended if you were if you were good you can find yourself, you know, quickly on another show. You're, mm-hmm. you know, um, but the, 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 the cons again is like when you're first starting out, the sort of the whipsaw sort of experience of being on this show and then going back onto another show, it, it's just, you're never able to settle down. You're always wondering like, okay, is the rug going to be pulled out from under me while I'm here on this room? Mm-hmm. And, you know, how, how 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 much experience am I really going to get? And I think that's the other thing where we we learned in the in the showrunner training program. And again, we'll we'll get more into it. Is the fact that 
there are so many more writers that don't have the experience that we have of like coming up through the ranks of really sort of growing as writers in an organic manner. If now it's just writers, they you know they they they're in a room, but they don't get the they don't get the the set experience, they don't get the post experience, they don't get the, all the stuff that happens to you know to make a show, and so then and then all of a sudden they just you know they might jump from show to show to show, and all of a sudden they rise up there in their producer level ranks, but they don't have the producer level experience. Hmm. So the time that they're giving a show, now they don't know what to do exactly, how to run a show. Because they've never had, you know, they've never really had that experience, other than yeah. just the, the the quick pops of observation of working and something like that. Yeah, I've also so, heard of uh, yeah. a number of writers who the the episode order will be short, but their contract says they can't do anything else. There's that. There's definitely that uh, problem. Uh, I think that that's also being addressed because there's just no sort of humane way of saying like well you can't work <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like that's that's yeah. just it's crazy but they'll they'll try to do that uh and again it i think it also depends on the level you are because if you're at a if you're say a co-ep supervising producer or something like that then the studio might have much more reasonable to say like well yeah you can't work on this because we might need you to go to set hmm. whereas a staff writer they're going to hold you for 20 weeks and if they can cut you loose they'll cut you loose Unless yeah. you are so valuable to the showrunner. Like when we were on screen, we did Scream, it was 20 weeks in the room. And MTV kept on adjusting the schedule and there kept on being setbacks where we were supposed to start shooting, like what was it, summer? Well, we started yeah. in April and we were supposed to start shooting in the summer because we were, uh, they were aiming for a, a Halloween release, hmm. a late fall release. Yeah. And uh, that the schedule kept on getting pushed back, pushed back that we were able to break the entire season, write all six, six scripts, and then the room ended, and then poor Brett had to go to Atlanta and produce all six episodes himself. Now, fortunately, wow. it was only six episodes, but he was still out there by himself because we were already moved on. We were right. gone. Yeah, he was already he was there from yeah. like the end of August through like Thanksgiving or something like that, like just <laughs> a ridiculous amount of time. Wow. Yeah, But he did it, you know, and, and, and the show came out good. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we were, yeah. we were all proud of what we did, and we we kind of, again, regardless of what the exposure or the audience reaction, the, we we achieved what we set out to do, and that was yeah. a, that was a very cool experience and very refreshing in the wake of what we had just had on Flash, you know, yeah. um, the two just very two just very different experiences. But again, mm -hmm. and all of which taught us something. All of which we walked away going, okay, here are the operative lessons that we're going to carry with us whenever we are lucky enough to have a room of our own and. The wisdom that we've gained and gleaned, we're going to hopefully impart that to another generation of writer that will then be the next generation of showrunner. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of paying forward in this business. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and we're, you know, we're firm believers in that because we feel like it was done for us. Hmm. You know, I, I mean, Derek, Derek can attest to this. I don't believe I've earned anything. I still feel like I have to prove myself on a daily basis. I don't feel like. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 <laughs> <laughs> right i mean it's you know, we've been writing partners 20 years you know uh it's just you know it's one of those things that like every day you've gotta you gotta show up and you gotta be you know at your best and you're not always going to be i need to learn to forgive myself a little bit more this is a bit of a confessional but uh i won't because that's not how i operate <laughs> okay well uh, let's just anyway. take a quick break to hear from sponsors and then we'll come back and talk about the showrunner training program.
DrivingFootage.com provides 4K nine-angle driving plates for film and television. Over 14,000 clips are available for locations all around Southern California, with more areas coming soon. A fully equipped camera car with height-adjustable rig is available for custom shoots and second-unit photography. Visit DrivingFootage.com for details. AVGearGuy.com provides computer and gear rentals serving the LA area, including laptops with final draft, as low as $9 a day with long booking rates available. They also scan photos, documents, video and audio tapes, and film reels to digital so you can easily share with your friends and family. Mention the name of the TV Writer Podcast and you will get 10% off your order. Visit AVGearGuy.com for details. Full disclosure, I do own both of these companies. By supporting them, you help me bring new in-person video interviews to you. And we're back. <laughs> uh, like, it's going to be like... Yeah. Very cool. Love the Canadian reference. Um, so, so showrunner trading program. First of all, um, how do you get into it? Is it just open to anybody or, or do you get invited? Um, and tell me about that program. It's an application process, just like all the other programs. Uh, in this case, they only they they take in about twenty seven to twenty eight writers, uh, and we were fortunate enough they were like close to two hundred people that submitted for the program this year. Uh, it continues to grow, they and they tend to want oh, people who are have shows in contention, like either you're yeah. developing a pro uh, a project with a studio or or network, um, or you're already running a show and you've never done it before. Um, it's very much the, the application is, is it, there are limits to it. It's not like just anyone can apply. The ones that will be given serious credence are the ones that have an imminent need to be a yeah. showrunner and be trained. And so at the time when we applied, we, we were, we had two pilots that we were developing one with, with Greg Berlanti and the other one we were developing right through the, with Warner brothers. So that kind of put us on, gave us an edge of like, okay, these guys, one of these shows might go forward, so these guys need to be ready. And also the other thing was since we had applied in the past, they were already familiar with us mm. and they knew. And so they were already sort of like, you know, they had, they had kept tabs on us to see like where we were. And so, you know, because of our consistency of being, you know, being, I think Ben is... Okay, right. he's not. I'm, he's not I'm, doing I'm signaling for he's myself like to take air the dog traffic. out to poop. <laughs> <laughs> he's calling it off. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, so we, you know, we were in a place of like, okay, let's, you know, we were encouraged, like, go ahead and and apply for the program. And then this time around, we got because we the last time we applied for it was a couple years ago, and we actually got to the semifinal stage of it. Right? They were like, "Hey, we're gonna, you know, we want to talk to you guys," and or no, they sent they sent us a letter saying like, "Congratulations, you made it to the semifinal stage, but you're not getting selected. But here's a one day here's a one day seminar that you guys can attend." And so we went to that. We got a taste of it. We're like, "Oh, this is really cool." And then that, you know, we didn't we didn't think of anything of it again. So when it came around this time around, we were like, all right, we'll we'll apply again. And uh, we, we got in <laughs> to our surprise. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> it was, and it was great. We you know, it was every, six Saturdays. Every Saturday we start from like around eight, eight thirty in the morning, go mm -hmm. to almost about five o'clock. 
they bring in different speakers, different showrunners, different people from different, uh, you know, areas of expertise. They Peter Roth uh, spoke at the very first day, uh, which was, you know, sort of surreal because this is the guy that is, you know, that's the high muckety muck, right? That's the yeah. guy that is, is you know, the head of Warner Brothers himself, the Warner Brothers television himself. And you always hear that guy, but we never met him before. And so we got a chance to introduce ourselves. And he did this sort of thing of like, after we introduced ourselves, when he was up there speaking, he goes, and I, you know, I got my boys up here in the front. Ben and Derek <laughs> was like freaking out. He's like, why is he calling us out? We just met him. <laughs> <laughs> and then at lunch, everyone was like, you know Peter Roth? I'm like, no. But he's like, yeah. you know, he's cut from that. He's come from that old school. He's like one of the last, what they call, you know, uh, pillars of the television sort of like icon industries of these moguls these these big studio moguls right you know mm -hmm. uh and this guy is also on that next level sort of class because i never forget when we were on the flash and he sent out christmas cards he personally signed them you oh, know wow. and they were like it was just like wow and they were like yeah he actually and i because i did some digging i was like did he really sign these he goes no he signs every christmas card wow and it's like wow okay uh, you know, i was like that's that's kind of cool so, you know, being in the program, we got through five Saturdays and then the yeah. pandemic yeah. happened, you know, shut it down, shut it down, which, but also after, you know, being on doing a couple of zooms now we have, we're supposed to be doing a resume for legacies when we start back up. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, why can't we just finish up the last class on zoom? I, it's like, I, I'm going to actually, I'm going to, I'm going to bring that up. I'm going to email MC about that and mm -hmm. Carol yeah. and, like, Hey, you know what? It's like. I know that we've been because they said the last class was postponed indefinitely, mm -hmm. but I think in a way, if you just do it on Zoom, there's you know you have I mean you can hold up to a hundred people in there for one, yeah. but also uh, um, it's so much easier because it, all it was was like you had people come in, showrunners, and speak. Mm -hmm. Q and A, people ask questions. And that was, and then, you know, there was a little bit of some of uh, sort of personal, sort of like you broke up, you know, broke up into smaller groups and you did a little bit more one-on-one -on -one time. But there was, there was a bit of a curriculum where it's like, I don't think, you know, see why it can't be transferred onto, onto Zoom. Like, hey, can we just get our last yeah. day of class? How those people come in? <laughs> yeah. And just well, do Zoom, I, I, yeah, Zoom yeah. can actually break into groups as well. Yeah. Like you can break out in groups yeah. and come back and it's really powerful that way. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, that's really cool. That's what I heard. I haven't done that yet, but yeah, I heard that too. Hmm. So, I you know, this place. But so, but those 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 uh those first 5 Saturdays, they were invaluable. They were really great. And yeah. then the also all the people that that got into the program, these are people that you're actually, you know, as they they said, these are the people that you're going to as you continue to, you know, work in in this industry these are the people that went through the trenches with you and that you can you know reach out to and develop relationships and contact and these are the people that you know you can trade notes back and forth but hey mm -hmm. what's your experience been like so forth and so on and, you know or i'm stuck in a jam you know need some help here input on what how would you handle this type of thing mm -hmm. so bring you know that that sort of uh, that that network that you get to have yeah the addition what? What are what are a few of the the key takeaways that you've gotten from this? Like things that maybe you heard that you hadn't thought of before, or maybe they they sort of crystallized for you better in in this time. Well, you, you what you do is you each session was sort of geared toward a different subject that you were going to 
face at some point. So it was like how to manage your schedule, how to manage your writer's room, how to manage your talent, how to manage executives. And, and all of those were sort of invaluable lessons um, as to, you know, oh, you know what? I, I have this experience with this from my own career, but I've never thought of it from this perspective or I've never approached it from that way of doing it. And all the different speakers that came in, you know, the, the anecdotes that they shared, their, their little journeys along the way, the little things that kind of were turning point moments for their career or, you know, basically, you know, make or break decision moments for them and the shows that they were on, how they handled it. That's the thing I think that was incredibly invaluable. I mean, there, and there, again, everyone's experience was different. Everyone had a different way of a different lens that they saw the job through that whether it's from the people that taught them how to do it to the onto their you know experience as showrunners versus how they then teach the people below them how to do it. Um, it was always a, 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 an unexpected like, oh, I never really thought about it that way or huh. Maybe I'm going to, I'm going to apply that to the way I do things because I've never done it that way, but it sounds like something I would do. Hmm. Again, I wish I don't have specific examples off the top of my head, but I can, I, I, rem- I remember as, as we were sitting there and listening to everyone that these were the things that, you know, I've jotting down notes, like I'm going to you know, start that note because that's something that I'm sure <laughs> we can come up against. And here's a good, here's a good philosophical approach to handling it. Like, yeah. you know, Glenn Mazzara had a list of things. Um, oh my God. Nick yeah. had a list of things. Um, yeah. And again, different different sort of whether we look at them as commandments or here's my litany of of nightmares that i've lived through glenn Mazar had like like a five page yeah, list of yeah like 300 it's crazy like, here, here's what went wrong on Play, like shows. every single one of these things happened to me wow <laughs> you're, and, like, and you're like that's no that does that's not real and it's like yeah, yeah. it all happens so how would you handle that you know and, yeah. and again gets you thinking, makes you go, all right, if that did happen to me, what would I do? Hmm. Yeah, I think that's the, that's like, the benefit. Yeah, like Bill Lawrence came in and he was speaking like, he's like in these like, here are things that happened to me. How did you think I handled them? And some of them, he handled yeah. them right. And then some of them handled them wrong, you know, and he was just yeah, saying like, admitting that, like, yeah, yeah admitting, right, you know, I, yeah. yeah, I could have yeah. done this better. Yeah. And, mm. and I think one of the big takeaways, and this is just in general, you know, as anything, is just be a good communicator. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's I think it's like a lot of problems lie in not communicating things properly <laughs> or just yeah. not communicating yeah. at all. You know, there's this sort of like notion of like the secrecy and keeping things close to the vest. And it's just like, why? You know, it's like it's a collaborative medium. Mm. It's like making television is a team effort. It is yeah. not, there's yeah. not one person that succeeds on this. Everybody has to succeed or has to rise up to a level of being able to accomplish things that they're supposed to do in order for the television show to succeed, right? Because hmm. any thing can go wrong. I mean, at, at any given moment, right? It's a miracle any show, any movie's ever made. Yeah. <laughs> like when, you, when, when you really take a step back, yeah. you're like, just one episode of television, much less a $300 million film. Uh, like yeah. you know how how anything is ever made it's like this is crazy mm-hmm. uh you know a lot of ways to, you know as we call it controlled chaos <laughs> it's like there's only so much that you're going to be able to control so much of it but the thing is if you're able to communicate and you're able to communicate with your department heads first and foremost and the people that you trust and rely upon and they understand that they can able to communicate with you i think that in itself is you know invaluable sort of you know a, a, a sort of mindset to have like mm. okay this is not about me 
Well, and think sure, about I, it. I mean, you can't do everything, right? Like, and yeah. let's say you've got a production designer who is just a genius. Don't you just want to bask in that? You know, you don't want to be the one to sort of micromanage and be like, oh, I want to say this and this. It's like, just let you, you hire the right people to do the job yeah. and let them do their jobs and you get a better result because they get emotionally invested in the work just like you are. You know, yeah. I mean, one of the things that came up in the show owner training program is that no one's going to care about your show as much as you do. Probably true. But the way to sort of get everyone close is by letting them sort of be their best selves and not, yeah. you know, being the one that's like constantly micromanaging. So yeah, it's interesting. Very cool. Yeah, well, I would think it'd be a big advantage to be a writing team, show running team. Because one person can be putting out fires, the other person can be running the room, and and you can sort of right. tag team that way. I, I will say this: coming out of the program, it's like I'm just like even more in awe of people that can just run a show by themselves. Because yeah. you're just, good lord, how are you able to handle all that? Is one person? It's yeah. it's insane. But then there's also the you know you know the whole thing about there's like a hundred percent burnout rate for for showrunners. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. It, it's, right. It, so we'll it, take a, you know, if for us, it's a 50% yeah. burnout. I think, you know, <laughs> we've been able to go on that. Yeah. 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 So uh, let's, uh, let's move on from that and, and talk a little bit about, um, Derek, you're at a ton of conventions. I see you all the time. Um, yeah. is, is, is it important to you guys like to, no, <laughs> what's you know, that? Yeah. Like my, my wife and daughter say hi. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Um, is it important to you to mentor others in, and is that an active part about what you do? I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a, uh, and I would say active part is just a, it's just natural for me. I mean, I, cause I, I, cause I've been so fortunate to get where I am. There's been so many great mentors and friendships and people that, that believed in me and that supported me and that, you know, wanted to help and vice versa along the way. I like Ben, like Ben said, and we're both of the mindset of pay it forward. So we're always, you know, trying to look out for the next group of writers, the next people that have been in the position that we've been in, or maybe even more so than that. So there's a, a natural tendency to try to help as many people as you can, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but within the limits, because at the same time, you'd still have to, I said, you, you know, I always say you have to take care of self before you can take care of others properly right if you can't take care of yourself then you know what good are you going to be to others so you have to sort of you have to find that sort of balance but yeah it's like uh, i think that we we both do it so it's it's not out of out of duty or necessity you know it's just something that we like to do mm-hmm. when we when we can um, when, when, when we fired our agents back in April and, and, you know, the WGA staffing boost and WGA solidarity challenge started happening, you know, I, yeah. I, I took as, as active a part as I could in that just because I felt like how freaking lucky I am to have been in this business for, you know, over a decade. And I know people are still trying to break in and I know how hard it is. I, I get it. It took us eight years of trying and, you know, had somebody not just believed in us we wouldn't have, that door never would have opened. So I'm like, all right, let me, let me see what I can do. And again, I don't feel like it was a lot to do. I felt like it was very easy to, to read a bunch of scripts and, and if the ones that I liked just tweet about it, like how hard is that? 
and um, and Ben uh, and Ben uh, really put his you know he, he put uh, he put his time in he really did he did so he did more than I I did it was just because I was doing some other stuff but well, you were on, you were on the guilds board so yeah, yeah. again yeah. different level of time management you know? yeah. um, a, a little bit but but yeah. Ben would like read script after script he'd have his pile of scripts and he'd be reading them and then he'd actually get back to people in a you know in a timely manner and. And it, it was, it's, you know, really wonderful to see. And then so many other writers did the same thing. I have, have stepped up and done so much during this time, you know, of uncertainty or the pandemic yeah. uh, that, you know, that have really tried to help out people. Um, and, you know, again, going back to all the way back to where it started, even before I met Ben, my mentor, Ashley Miller, at, at that point in time, I met him at a comic book convention here in L.A., the L.A. Oh, yeah? comic book convention. Yeah. And it was like, because my best friend and I, we went to go watch the brand new X-Men trailer, right? Mm. And while there, it was really crowded at the Shrine Auditorium. And uh, we, we were jockeying for position on the second floor balcony trying to, you know, over, that overlooks the down onto the onto the floor of the Shrine. And we're waiting for the trailer to start. And I'm bumping elbows with this guy. And I'm just like, okay, we're either going to fight or we're going to talk. <laughs> So I started talking to him, and it's it's Ashley, and Ashley had just moved out here from Washington D.C. to start his staffing job on Andromeda, and so I did that thing that you know they always say you're not supposed to do is like, hey, I'm a writer too, uh, you know, I'd love to pick your brain and, and you know talk, and you know, I love for you to read something of mine. And Ashley was kind enough to say like, sure, I'll read, you know, I'll read something. And at the time, I had a a screenplay that I wrote based on a book that I loved, and it was just a spec and. And he read it and met over dinner in Studio City, and he said, I see no reason why you can't make it in this business. And then from there, he just sort of like unofficially became my mentor. We'd meet once a wow. week over dinner. And then he, after dinner, we walked down the street over to the Andromeda's writer's room. And that's where I got, uh, you know, my first look at a writer's room, like seeing like, whoa, this is how you make television? This is crazy. Or how you write TV? Because I had no idea how, you, how television was written. Uh, you know, I thought it was written like screenplays. You just sit down, you start writing stuff. But then you're all seeing the board and seeing the outlines and everything broken up there and then the beats of it. And I was just like, whoa, this is cool. And about six months later was when Ash called me up out of the blue and he said, hey, uh, so the writer's assistant on the show is leaving. I think you have a really good shot at it. You should come in and, and interview for it. Wow. And I did, and, and that's when Robert hired me, and who became my next, you know, my next mentor in that way, and as Zach Stentz, and you know, everybody from there, and it was just like even Ben, because Ben had more experience as a writer than I did, and mm. and you know, so it was just from there, and so every time that I was, you know, fortunate enough to be in a place of where, you know, the, if I knew an assistant on a show, and we were on a show, I made sure, you know, always like to ask the assistants questions like how's your writing coming along what are you doing for your writing you know doing stuff as as much as an encouragement to show because i was in that i, I sat in the same those same chairs hmm. and uh, you know i just wanted to show and demonstrate that you won't be sitting in those chairs for long if you continue to you know do the things that you need to do to become a writer but this is what you're going to have to do this is what you should do you know just trying to help them navigate those those scary waters hmm. yeah you know, like sometimes this doesn't seem like there's any sort of you know uh, you feel like that you're you're just running your head into a wall, right? Uh, there are times when, when after I was a writer assistant on a show called uh, it was uh, it was the Twilight Zone. It was the UPN Twilight Zone that mm -hmm. that was where Forrest Whitaker was the host, right? Yeah. Um, and being on that show after that show ended, 
they didn't get any more writer's assistant gigs. There was nothing available. So I had to get jobs elsewhere, temp jobs and all this stuff. And it just felt like the further that I was moving away from Hollywood, as far as getting trying, trying to find a job, I felt like I didn't have any sort of real way back in. But my anchor mm-hmm. in that point in time was working with Ben, being, you know, being being friends, continuing to, you know, write with Ben, you know, saved me from completely drifting away in a way where a lot of people don't have that, you know. So mm-hmm. if I can be sort of like that lighthouse for some people and Ben also the same way, if we could be that lighthouse again and showing like, hey, you can find your way back if you feel like you get lost. That's, you know, that that in itself is is, is nice to see when you see people and especially when you see people succeed and stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, that, uh, I think that again, it's just sort of like it's our natural tendency. I don't think it's our duty, or you know, it, it's a, it just it just sort of happens when it does and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, as, worked, as much, yeah. We've worked with a lot of writers, you know, that are well, again, they're 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 support staff, but they're but they are writers, and and they're you know they've gotten a shot to do a freelance episode, or they've gotten to co-write an episode, or you know they asked to can you know, can you read our my sample or whatever, and I'm like, you're a better writer than me. Yeah. Frankly, you know, like at, at your mm-hmm. age and at this skill level, like I didn't have this then. All I had mm-hmm. to go on was, you know, the arrogance that I had any idea what I was doing, <laughs> and, and 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 I like to think that I backed my way into an ability just by sheer determination. You know, like and, yeah. and, and I and I think these people have it too. And it's like you, you know, you, you want to get to that position where you can reward them for that because they deserve that shot. They deserve to be at the table. They deserve to have their voice heard in story on screen yeah very cool well we're gonna wrap things up in just a second but first um i like to sort of end up with advice to greener writers like uh sort of if you could speak to yourself when you're on your way in what are the things that you've learned that you'd love to have said to to you at the start um or things maybe mistakes you see people making uh on the page or off the page I say be patient. Yep. Um, you know, you're going to have to persevere. It's going to take time. Um, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to want to give up. You're going to want to say, ah, screw it. This isn't going to happen. It will. It only happens if you keep going. Um, so just don't, don't do, do everything you can to keep yourself afloat. I understand that you can't always just spend your whole life writing, but if it's what you really want, and you can find a way to sustain yourself in your free time. Make this be your passion. Make this be the thing that 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 drives you, and you will you will eventually cross that finish line. Mm-hmm. Very cool, Derek. And, Derek. and uh, I think the other thing is check your ego at the door. It's <laughs> like, I, and honestly, especially you know, as a young writer, that you think you know everything, you think you know how to tell a story, you think you know how to right character but if someone you know comes along and says then no you don't listen to them mm-hmm. figure yeah. out later on that they might be foolish you know well, what is this like, is this a pg i don't want to say i was about to curse <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> but full of it right mm-hmm. so uh you know but you figure that sh- figure it out later on um in, in you know in in the moment listen listen always listen and and you know and just learn. Try to be a sponge. Try to learn as much as possible. You know that's that's the thing. Uh, be a you know be a be a student. You never stop being a student. 
Hmm. Even now, I I have friends that are brilliant writers, fantastic writers. They never stop learning. They, they they're still working on honing their craft. Ben continues to just work hard, harder than you know most people I know that that just trying to you know get be a be a better writer. And that in itself is inspiring because then I look at it, I'm like I'm procrastinating a lot. I'm just like, I guess I should do the same thing. <laughs> but I will give you the credit for this: the fact that that one thing that Derek has always done in our career that I've never had the, the guts to do is he shares the material. He he looks to other people for their input and says, you know, tell me what you think of this, and and he hears it with an objective ear. Whereas I'm, I like, I'm like, I don't want anybody to look at this. Uh, I don't know. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to put the blinders on and I'm just going to go forward. I'm trusted. Hopefully this is good. And he's like, no, if it's not, I want to know. So that let's, let's improve it. And you know, I've been lucky in that he comes back to me. He's like, so I let so-and-so read this thing. I'm like, man, why'd you do that? <laughs> and he's like, but they got some good notes. I'm like, yeah, those are really good notes. I'm glad you did that. <laughs> so, Very cool. You know. Well, uh, you guys have been very generous, generous with your time. I appreciate you taking all this time. And, uh, oh no! Thank you. It was a lot of fun. No, I mean, yeah. I got like yeah. I got a I got a three o'clock appointment in my kitchen, uh-huh. but other than that, my day is pretty pretty open. You know, it's like yeah, that commute to my kitchen is going to be kind of tough, though. I will have to say. Very cool. <laughs> and I'm well, not thanks. sure how well my my son stunned my dog, so I'm going to go do that. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Oh, thanks, guys. No, thank thanks you. so Take much. Care. Yeah, cool. and uh, say hello to your daughter. I will. Make sure to subscribe on all of the places you can find this podcast, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and also make sure to rate the podcast and and submit your comments. Please do follow me on Twitter, at Gray Jones is my handle, and also visit tvwriterpodcast.com slash support for details on how you can become a patron of this podcast for as little as 25 cents per episode. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Watch for these episodes every Tuesday from now on. You can find them on all the different places that this podcast is found. But I appreciate you joining me. See you next time. Bye-bye.